Well, welcome to the Super Kitty Podcast. This is also the title of my book, and I wrote it to educate people and families about my rescue pet, Ginger, also known as Super Kitty. This book can be found on Amazon and AuthorHouse.com. Now, you may be asking, why write such a book? Well, I wanted to raise awareness on the importance of rescuing pets and also provide a voice for these animals who can't speak for themselves. The book is from both perspectives, my cat named Ginger, as well as mine. And the reason we would like you to follow up and follow this podcast is to highlight the book and to raise money to help these nonprofits who rescue and care for animals until they find loving homes. So this podcast will provide a voice for all those animals who await adoption and in the meantime, the joy that they bring us and when they become part of our family. I also want to interview those who have chosen to educate and rescue pets until they find their forever homes. These interviews that we're going to be doing and attempting are designed to keep the listening public up to date and to highlight how those listening can help such nonprofits. At the end of this podcast, please donate through the free app, Buy Me a Cup of Coffee. You'll look for number one, Super Kitty. Every donation will support these nonprofits that I interview, and they'll get a percentage of the proceeds from Buy Me a Cup of Coffee. Each cup of coffee is $3, and you can buy as many as five cups of coffee if you'd like. Also, you can buy the book Super Kitty, as I mentioned earlier. It is on Amazon and AuthorHouse.com. This is a self-published book, and I am so thrilled and happy to have a very important guest from the Jacksonville Humane Society. She is in charge of their educational department, and her name is Savannah New. And I invited Savannah because they are a huge contribution to the pets in the area. And they also have an education department for children and families, and they do really great work. So without further ado, I'm going to like turn it over to Savannah and ask, what got you into this line of work? Thank you, first of all, Mary Ann, so much for having me as a guest on, I believe this is your very first episode of your podcast, so it's really an honor. Um, That's such an interesting question. I definitely have traveled an interesting path to get where I am today. So I am a former teacher. I'm a former French teacher, mostly the high school level, and then I also taught French at the university level for a couple of years. And I always loved teaching French, but Throughout my time as a teacher, I did definitely feel like there might be something else out there for me, something that I was meant to be doing. I started doing a lot of volunteer work in 2014 in the animal welfare world for a variety of different organizations, one of which was the Jacksonville Humane Society. I started walking dogs there in 2014 every week, and I really discovered a passion for animal welfare and sheltering, and I knew pretty early on when I started all of my volunteer work that I would like to change careers. And so I spent maybe about a year doing volunteer work and kind of keeping my eye on job openings at the Jacksonville Humane Society. And eventually a job opened up for an executive assistant to the executive director there. And I decided to apply for that. Um, And I did get that job very happily. And 
when I started working at JHS as the assistant to the executive director, I made it known early on, you know, that I would love to be involved in any educational opportunities that came up in the future. At that point, we were sort of gearing up to move into a brand new building that we were constructing. For those of you who don't know, the original JHS facility was destroyed by a fire back in 2007. So from 2007 all the way through 2017, they essentially operated out of a couple of trailers. There was a big dirt parking lot and very old, outdated outdoor kennels. So we were constructing this new facility, and I knew moving into that that we would have so much more space to offer educational opportunities and programs for youth. And so, yeah, I I made it clear early on that I would love to be involved with that. And so I did have the opportunity once we moved into the new building to shift into a role as the education manager. And we started launching and growing all sorts of programs for kids of all ages. And yeah, that's, that's sort of my journey to how I got to where I am today. Awesome. I too am a retired educator. And one of the uh, biggest events we held each year was what was called Pennies for Pooches. And we got all the students involved and the parents. And we partnered with a no-kill shelter. And the first year that we did that, we had a big assembly. I was in a K-8 building with like 650 students. And the excitement by just bringing in something new and something different really organized all the kids that they wanted to take this on and do it annually. So we had done that for about 20 years. And what we discovered was how much money we could raise. And they provided cans in the classroom. So once they provide a can, we designed a contest around it. The classroom that raised the most money would get a visit from a four-legged furry friend. And the very first time it was in the gym with all these students and the poor pet had an accident (laughs) as a result. But it was just such a joy to, to see how children and teachers really change when there's pets in the building. So going on, we did family reading nights and we brought in therapy dogs and we assigned them to read with our struggling readers. And what we found is that that was the first time that they would really open up and actually read. A lot of them were selective mutes. Yeah. So it was really great. But so we have that in common. We're both educators. And when I moved here uh, a year ago from Chicago, I had recently lost a previous pet that lived to be 20. And I thought, you know, I think I'm ready to take this on. So I actually went to the caffeinated cat in Jacksonville Beach and visited. And I took my daughter with me. And that's where I found Super Kitty. At the time, she was less than two months old. She had been fixed, spayed. And she had her ear clipped, which is an indication that she had been spayed. And I was able to take her home a month later. So she just recently turned a year old. And all of this came about because of Super Kitty, a.k.a. Ginger. So we have that in common. I just wanted to put that out there. So you have a big job, it sounds like, um, at the Humane Society. Do you have an educational impact with children and their families? And can you tell us about that? Yeah, absolutely. We have right now quite a few different 
education programs that are available. One that I would love to talk about, and, it, and you just brought it to mind talking about the reading opportunities that you offered at your school. We do have a program called Positive Reading. This is a volunteer program for kids under 16 in which they can come out to the shelter and spend time reading out loud to the dogs and cats. Studies have shown that listening to people reading out loud lowers stress levels in animals, and animal shelters can be very scary, very stressful places for so many different reasons. So at the Jacksonville Humane Society, we try to do everything we possibly can to make the animals stays as happy, as comfortable as possible while they're with us. And our positive reading program is a really big part of that, honestly. It, it, it sounds crazy, but it's true. Listening to kids read out loud really does help the dogs and cats feel more relaxed, feel more comfortable. And then there's, you know, a bonus impact on the children themselves. Like you mentioned, so many children are much more comfortable practicing reading with a four-legged friend as opposed to another person, whether that's their peers, a teacher, a parent. And there have been some studies done kind of measuring growth in literacy skills in kids who spend time practicing reading to animals. It's really amazing how how much it can impact kids. So it's such a cool program because the animals are really getting something amazing and positive out of it, and so are the kids and the families involved. Yeah, that's really uh, great to hear. I was a reading teacher, actually, And one of the things that I learned is that when you read aloud with children and have them track the words, they can hear it and see it. So they're getting it in two modalities, which really can improve their reading. And the best part about reading with a pet or even a stuffed animal, if you don't have a pet, is that they're non-judgmental. Absolutely. The whole time I was writing this book, I was under construction in my apartment and I had my laptop on my lap. And the cat, the kitten at the time, little Ginger, would jump up on my lap. And they mimic everything that we do. So as I was typing, she would try to strike the key. So I had to move her up closer to my shoulder. And she could kind of watch everything play out on the screen. But yes, each chapter I wrote, I read back to her. And it kind of put her to sleep. That's amazing. (laughs) Calmed her down. Okay, so tell me, do you have any other programs for children and families? We do, yeah. So our other big program that we offer is a camp program. So throughout the year, we offer a variety of educational camps for kids of all ages. We do have a big summer camp. It's seven weeks. So Families um, can choose one of seven weeks. Most kids will only come for one week session, but we do have kids each summer who do like to come for multiple weeks. So we do seven weeks of summer camp. And then throughout the year, we have some smaller scale camps as well. So we have a spring break camp, which is coming up next week. And we also have a winter break camp each year, as well as some single day camps on random school holidays. And all of our camps are educational. We really spend a lot of time teaching kids about animal behavior, how to read and understand dog and cat body language, how to care for pets, what pets need, things like that. Pretty much any topic that you can think of that relates to animals and animal welfare, we, we cover at some point in a camp, either through a lesson or an activity. And we also do lots of projects during each camp day that benefit JHS and the animals at JHS in some way. So that might be 
creating frozen peanut butter and banana dog treats for the dogs or maybe making um, catnip toys for the cats. And there's also plenty of time for animal interactions as well. So at all of our camps, the kids do get to spend time interacting with dogs, cats, and kittens. And that's for sure always the highlight of the day. Yeah, that's uh, great uh, from a student and a child's perspective. What a great camp, right? Yeah, absolutely. I don't think you're too old ever. My little super kitty, a.k.a. Ginger, she has a perch at every window in my apartment, and I recently moved the bird feeder a little bit closer so she could watch, and I'm amazed at how many different varieties of birds that's attracted. Now, I also live on a lake, so we have geese, we have ducks, and the squirrel population is just imploding right now outside the window. (laughs) So my cat is just a little over a year old and runs from window to window. And I do take her out a little bit each day to get some sun and some fun, but I do have her on a harness. And she is trained. They are trainable. And she actually loves it. And she'll let me know if she doesn't want to go somewhere. She'll just plop down and stop. And we stop. But she's been a great companion And she has lots of friends outside the window. So I'm glad to hear that the kids get to actually spend time with the cats and kittens and dogs. Yeah, and it's um, obviously the the kids are getting a lot out of that. But honestly, it it benefits our pets as well. You know, that's extra enrichment for the dogs and cats in the shelter, whether that's, you know, a break from the kennel for the dog for 30 minutes, 45 minutes while they're interacting with the kids. You know, it's a chance for the cats to meet new people, get some extra playtime. So it's it's definitely a win-win situation. Yeah, so how many pets do you have for adoption on average, I don't know if you look at it weekly or monthly. I mean, this is all new to all of us, which is why we're doing this podcast. So we really rely on your answers here. Yeah, that's such an amazing question. And and a lot of people like to ask that question. So on a, an average year, we care for around 9,000 animals. So close to 9,000 dogs and cats every year enter our care. And then on any given day, we typically have around 200 pets in the building. So we have the capacity to house around 100 dogs and around 100 cats. And you know, those numbers ebb and flow. It just depends on who we're taking in each day, how many pets get adopted each day. And you know, I have to share since you have a cat and and Super Kitty is obviously about a cat. We take in over 3,000 kittens every single year. So a huge chunk of that 9,000 pets a year number is cats and kittens. Wow. Yeah. It's really great to hear that there's a place for them to go and it makes one wonder what happens when they don't have a place to go to. Is there uh, sometimes a waiting list for pets at your facility? Yeah, absolutely. So um, our pets come from a variety of different places. So a pretty big percentage of our animals are what we call owner surrenders. So these are animals whose owners unfortunately found themselves in a position in which they were no longer able to take care of their pet. And that could be for so many different reasons. Sometimes people have to move and they can't find a place that allows pets. Um, Sometimes people get sick and they go into the hospital and if they don't have friends or family who can care for their pets, sometimes they might end up coming to us. So there's so many different reasons why people have to make that tough decision and we we really try not to judge people like that we're in general a super non-judgmental organization for most people that's maybe one of the hardest decisions they'll ever have to make in their life so a lot of our pets do come from families they they come from owners who just 
weren't able to take care of them any longer. And we do typically ask people to make an appointment to surrender a pet. So yeah, we, we could, we do have a waiting list, you might say, but it's more like a list of appointments over the next few months. So we probably have owner surrender appointments lined up, maybe even through the end of May at this point. Yeah, some people might think that's uh, bad news, but I look at it um, from another perspective. I think it's really great news, especially on a podcast, that there's opportunity for people out there to come in and to adopt. So I guess the next question would be, what is the cost of adoption, say, of a kitten? And what do they have to fill out? Is there an application? Is there a, like a suitability form? <laughs> Are they a good fit? What happens if they do take a pet home and it doesn't work and they have to surrender it? Is there a specified amount of time? And maybe you want to also plug your website. Sure, yeah. If anyone's interested in learning more about the Jacksonville Humane Society, you can visit our website at www.jackshumane.org. You can learn about all of our programs and services, all of our education programs. You can also view all of the pets in the shelter right now who are available for adoption. But to answer your other questions, those are great questions. So we do have adoption fees associated with each kind of pet that we have available for adoption. So for adult cats and then adult large dogs, the adoption fee is $50. And then for small dogs and puppies, the adoption fee is $175. And then for kittens, we did just change it. I, be, I believe it's $100, but, but don't quote me on that. You can look at our website to be sure, but we just altered our prices a little bit. And those adoption fees include pretty much everything. So the animals are all spayed and neutered prior to going home fully vaccinated, microchipped as well. So if anyone comes out and is interested in adopting, we have an adoption counseling process. So anyone who, you know, visits the shelter and would like to adopt, you know, a dog, a cat, a kitten, or a puppy, they have to meet with one of our adoption counselors. And that process could take anywhere from one hour to two hours. It really just depends on, you know, how much dialogue happens, how many questions the adopters have. So we really make it a point to get to know the people who are coming out to adopt from us. We, we use that as a chance to build a connection with them, make sure that they feel supported by us. And then if an adoption doesn't work out, we will take that animal back. You know, that's not a problem at all. We want people to feel like they can come to us for help and that we won't judge them, won't turn them away, and we won't. Um, we do offer sleepovers, though. I always like to share that with people. Mm. So if you, if you want to adopt a pet, but you're not totally sure, or if you're not sure that the pet you're interested in will be the perfect fit for your household, we do allow people to take pets home on sleepovers, kind of like a trial run. You can make sure that it works great. If it does, awesome. You can adopt that pet. If the sleepover doesn't work out that well, that's fine. You can bring the pet back and then, you know, the pet can be adopted out to another family. So we try to serve as really a resource for people and we really focus on building relationships with the people who come out to to adopt from us. Wow. So how many uh, pets are adopted from your facility at Jacksonville Humane Society each year? Another amazing question. So um, typically we do around 7,000 adoptions, I would say, every year, maybe more than that. I don't have the uh, numbers with me from 2021, but but it's around that number. So um, definitely a huge amount of adoptions. And that number has really only increased since we moved into our new building. Like I mentioned earlier, you know, our, our old facility, kind of our temporary setup after the fire was not very welcoming or community friendly. We, we still did amazing work then. 
and and lots of people still came out to adopt because Jacksonville is such a supportive community. But we have noticed since moving into the new building that we have had a lot more visitors coming to the shelter. We've been doing more adoptions. And I think it's because the new facility is a lot more welcoming. It's a lot more visible. It's a great place to come out and spend time with your family and then maybe add to the family. Great way to end that little segment because I'm thinking there's going to be a lot of people listening and they've been thinking about getting a pet. Um, But with COVID, maybe they've held off just a little bit. So now would be the time So I know that there's a lot of catch and release where they will spay them. Yeah. And there's podcasts on it. I just recently heard one. So I was just wondering if you've come across that. Do most of the pets come in spayed or do you have to take that on? I would say, I don't know the statistics in terms of our intake numbers, like how many pets come in already altered, but we do have doctors and a veterinary clinic on site. So we are able to do all of our own spay and neuter surgeries. And we do offer a return to home program. So that's a program that's sometimes called TNR, catch and release, like you mentioned, we call it return to home. So this is a program in which community cats that that live outside, you know, they don't have owners, they're, they're happy to live outside. They probably have a caretaker who's feeding them. If those cats come to us and, and they're healthy and you know clearly they, they have some kind of a food source, then we do have a program in which we can spay and neuter them and then return them to their outdoor home. Okay, great. If anybody's listening to this podcast and they're thinking, gee, I've never been to the Jacksonville Humane Society, would you like to tell them your address and on average how many volunteers you depend on to keep the facility going? Yeah, certainly. So we are located at 8464 Beach Boulevard, about a half mile west of Southside Boulevard. We don't really have a lot of landmarks in our area, but I think most people in Jacksonville know where Southside Boulevard is. So about a half mile west of that on beach. And then we have around 400 active volunteers who help us out every year with literally every aspect of the work that we do. So we have a huge base of volunteers who help us walk dogs. All of our dogs get at least three walks a day. That's kind of our our minimum standard. And that would not be possible if we didn't have hundreds of dog walking volunteers helping us out every day. And we always need dog walker volunteers. So if anyone listening is out there thinking about maybe volunteering, we would love to have you come and walk dogs for us. But we do have so many other volunteer roles outside of dog walking. We have tons of cat volunteers who help out in the cat adoption area. We have volunteers who focus more on working with kittens in the foster office. So that might entail helping us bottle feed kittens who come in, you know, lots of cleaning, obviously. And then we do have volunteers as well who help out at the front desk, answering phone calls, assisting the public. So really, I would say if you're interested in volunteering and helping out, no matter what your specific interests or skill sets are, there's definitely a volunteer role at the Jacksonville Humane Society for you. And if you don't live in Jacksonville, then I, I think the same would apply to any shelter or rescue in your area. Yeah, you bring up a good point because um, I have always had cats and never had a dog and never really gave it any thought that they really do need to go outside and they need to, yeah. they need to stretch, they need that fresh air. And three times a day times how many dogs you have. So I'm sure you're always looking for more volunteers. Absolutely. We could never have enough dog walkers all day, every day. Uh, We would love for you to come out and walk dogs with us. Now, is there an age limit that they have to be a certain age to be a volunteer? Yeah, so we are, are sort of 
primary adult volunteer program does require that volunteers be at least 18 years of age, but we do have a youth volunteer program for high school students between the ages of 16 and 18. That's a little more selective. We're only able to take on new high school volunteers four times a year, but we do have that option available um, for high school students, and the high school student volunteers are able to do all of the same volunteer roles that our adult volunteers fulfill. Um, so if you're in high school, yes, we would love to have you come out and volunteer with us as well. Yeah, because I've been talking with people. Um, I did a few book signings and some of the teenagers that I've you know encountered, their parents won't allow them to have a pet, but they could still interact with a pet by becoming a volunteer, or, you know, doing the summer camp, which is a great opportunity for them. Yes, absolutely. So do you partner with any specific schools or is it open to anybody 16 to 18 and they don't have to live in just Jacksonville, they could live anywhere? Yeah, it's it's open to anyone. Um, we don't partner with any specific schools for the high school volunteer program. Um, we've got high school students in the program right now from schools all over Jacksonville as well as in St. Augustine. But yeah, you don't have to live in Jacksonville. You just have to be able to have transportation to come out to the shelter and help out. Okay, we're going to switch it up just a little bit. Thanks for giving us all the information. It is a lot of information, and sometimes we put those details on the back burner, but they're all really important when it comes to the surface of caring for pets that can't speak for themselves. And even though there may be many 501c3s and nonprofits, there's always more work to be done, I'm sure. Let's talk about what's your favorite part of the day at work? It's really difficult for me to choose a favorite part of the day because every day that I spend at work is different. So I don't really have a daily routine. None of my days are the same. And, and maybe I could say that that's my favorite part of the day, just the fact that every day is different for me. I do so many different things. I wear so many different hats that, you know, every day brings on like new fun experiences and opportunities. I also help out with marketing and communications. That's a part of my job as well. So yeah, all of my days are, are very jam-packed and full of excitement, I would say. So yeah, it's really difficult for me to choose a, a favorite part of my day. Well, I'm sure um, that you get to see a lot of the pets and you interact with a lot of the volunteers and the public. And then there's the behind the scenes. Paperwork. Absolutely. And just considering today is kind of a different start to your day, right, coming to a podcast. Yeah, that, that's a great example. Every day is so different. So, you know, trying to think about a favorite part is challenging. You know, certainly I do love getting to see animals go home to new families, especially animals who maybe have been in the shelter for a longer time. That's always incredible. We just launched an outreach program this past year in which we are – taking our education programs on the road and visiting organizations throughout Jacksonville. So I've really been enjoying that, the chance to, you know, go somewhere different with a pet and meet some kids who might not have the means or ability to come to JHS and participate in one of our on-site programs. To be able to go to them and give them those same experiences has been really rewarding. So those are two little highlights. But yeah, choosing a favorite part of my day is so tough. I can imagine. I'm pretty spoiled. I get to spend most of the day with Super Kitty. Anyway, right. <laughs> one of her favorite things is climbing and scratching. And so I'm also on TikTok, and my handle on TikTok is Mamasan, M-O-M-M-I-S-A-N. And what I was thinking with her is she's an indoor cat. I can take her out once or twice a day, but is she getting the exercise she needs? So in October, I put up my Christmas tree. And I decorated it and I watched her each and every day remove more of the ornaments. And let's just say 
I wanted to be the best cat mom ever and keep it up for four months until every ornament was down. <laughs> so if, if you get a chance, check out Mama-san on TikTok. They're all PG videos. And this one cat has brought such joy. And I can only imagine that you working with the hundreds of volunteers and the thousands of pets that come through your doors, you know, I'm sure that you're a pet owner and you've done all that you can, but is there anything else that the audience members on this podcast could really do to spread the word about the need for homes? There are so many different things that that people can do to spread the word and help us out. Honestly, just listening to this podcast is huge. You know, let other people know about the podcast. It sounds like Marianne's going to be having on lots of fantastic guests talking about animal welfare. Also, you can follow us on social media. We are on TikTok as well, Jack's Humane. You can follow all of our channels, share our posts. That really helps drive more engagement to those posts. Maybe more people We'll see the animals that we have available for adoption. Maybe more people will learn about the programs and resources that we offer just through you sharing some of our posts. That's something easy that most people can do. Like we talked about, we always have lots of volunteer opportunities available. We also have fostering opportunities. So if you you know really want to get involved, you could consider becoming a foster parent. We have a, a big network of foster parents who help us care for the underage kittens that we take in every year. We're taking in kittens who are a day old, a week old, less than a month old, and they really need round-the-clock care, just like human babies. So we have a lot of foster parents who will take those kittens into their homes, care for them, and then bring them back to the shelter once they're old enough to be adopted. So that's something you could consider doing. Fostering is free. We provide all of the supplies. You're just supplying the time and the love and the space. You could also consider making a donation. You know, if you have that ability, we're always in need of monetary donations. You can go to jackshumane.org slash donate. But then we're also in need of supplies all the time as well. Pretty much any kind of pet-related supply that you can think of, we can probably use everything from pet food and pet treats to towels and blankets, even old used towels and blankets. I feel like everyone has that old towel at home that no one really uses anymore, you could consider donating that to the Jacksonville Humane Society and and we can use that. So there are so many different ways for people to get involved. And obviously adoption is a great way to get involved. If you've been thinking about bringing home a pet, come to the Jacksonville Humane Society or another shelter or rescue. Yeah, great. I just wanted to, you know, just kind of give people the idea here that this book, Super Kitty, was really my vision. And I got it when I adopted my cat. And I really wanted to bond with her. It's almost like a baby. So I would put her on my lap and type as I wrote the book. And she wanted to emulate that. And she would strike the keys too. So I had to move her up to my chest, which was a perfect place for a little 10 to 12 week old kitten. So really this book is um, for readers of all ages. And it's an authentic heartwarming story describing the life of Ginger, aka Super Kitty. From the moment I adopted her and took her home, it became clear to me that she needed a home where she could grow and thrive. And so with unconditional love, Ginger and myself navigated our experiences, and we reported our different perspectives on our day-to-day adventures. But really, I wrote the book to educate not just children, but also to inspire families and shine a light on the importance of adopting a pet for your own and reap the benefits, which are really too many to write. And as I said before, I'm a retired educator. I'm a lifelong reader and I've always been a cat owner. And I was just compelled this year to 
record life with my rescue kitten. And really, I get more from her than she does from me. I get love and laughter. And I think that children and adults will enjoy this unique perspective from Ginger in my eyes on day-to-day life. And you get to decide, really, who adopted whom. So this book was written, I self-published it, and the proceeds go to benefit 501c3s and nonprofits that do great work. So one of the things I wanted to remind the audience of is that there's an app that you can download. It's free, and it's called Buy Me a Cup of Coffee. So you can look for the number one, Super Kitty. That's the handle. And a percentage of each and every donation will support these nonprofits. Each cup of coffee, again, is $3. And listen, you don't have to be limited to one or two cups. I know I'm a coffee drinker. Maybe do three to five cups of coffee. And just know that even if you can't uh, actually go into the Jack's Humane Society or you can't volunteer, you can help out by making just a small donation that may change a pet's life. Well, I want to thank Savannah New from the Jacksonville Humane Society for taking time out of her very busy day. It was a little bit challenging for the both of us to pin down a good time to talk and to get the studio. We are at Mixed Theory Studios in Jacksonville. It's a brand new studio, and it has five actual podcast rooms and plenty of room for anybody who's thinking of doing a podcast. So Savannah, I'm going to give you the last word. Anything you'd like to say? Well, thank you so much again, Mary Ann, for all the work that you've done to support homeless animals in our community. And thank you again for having me as a guest on your podcast. It's been so much fun. And yeah, I just want to encourage everyone listening out there to adopt your next pet. If you've been thinking about bringing home a new furry family member, there are millions of homeless pets in the United States every year who need homes. And you can really make a difference by by choosing to adopt. And if you're not able to adopt at this time, you can volunteer, foster, donate, or just spread the word. Tell one other person about the Jacksonville Humane Society or about the shelter or rescue in your area. And that will make a, a big, big difference. Okay, that concludes our very first podcast. You can buy the book, Super Kitty. It is on Amazon and AuthorHouse.com.